Yeah, got it. Hello, sir. Good morning. Good morning, How sir. How are you feeling? All spruce and lovely? Yes. You yes. smell nice. And yes. <laughs> He's not sure. He just had a shower, but he's not sure how he smells. So, happy birthday! Oh, thank you, sweetie. <laughs> You've got good memory. The phone say? helps. The <laughs> just yeah, we're eating birthday cake, by the way, for breakfast. Yeah, Sicilian Swiss roll. It's called Sicilian Swiss roll. It's lemon. Yeah, it's lemon lemon drizzle. It's, I haven't had mine yet. Oh, it's lemon. Hang on, hang on. I'm being offered egg and bacon. It's Charlie's birthday, and they're eating lemon drizzle cake for breakfast. Yes, Queen. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> he's, that off, regard. he's offering me egg and bacon. I don't know if uh, you guys will be allowed some. Yeah, I love that as well. My time's <laughs> run out. Oh, Charlie wants one. <laughs> Why don't I get one? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll have Charlie's it. one then. If you, unless we can email it, yeah. <laughs> oh dear, how right. are you this morning? I'm not too bad actually. Oh sugar, I don't know. Sugar, something. something. I filled up my car yesterday to the top. Seventy oh. pounds. Seventy pounds. Seventy pounds. Seventy pounds for a full tank. Dave. Investment. I was checking. Now how do I? How do I describe this? The names of the leaders of all the countries that support Russia. And I need the list of countries. I didn't pay that much attention because I'd have to go no, back just, to the boat of the UN. No, you listen. You'd know them. Just think of the top of your head. Just fire them out, and you know them. North Korea. Actually, we didn't put that down. They're, Would they be? They won't. No. They're more pro-China. You no. Know, so they're, right? they're not so Russian, but more pro-China. I think you're right on that China one. Keeps yeah. I, you I know thought... Afghanistan has called for peace. <laughs> yes, that's right. Really? Yeah, yeah this oh, is what I'm saying. This is why this is a hard game. Because like oh, Afghanistan's implored for peace talks and stuff. Like it's you're like okay, okay, <laughs> Afghanistan. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll 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 just share what I what no, I. But even like about. Turkmenistan and that is against him. Like this is and yeah. they get most of their stuff from him. Like it's or yeah, there's another one. Kazakhstan, I think they're against him. Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, and Ka Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan, Kyrgyz—I I can't. It's K Y G. How do you spell that? K Y R G. Kyrgyzstan. They're all stands anyway. Cuba. All the three. Cuba. Yes. Very good, Dave. Excellent. But why is a mystery? But yeah, that is a mystery, actually. <laughs> what good? <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Right, let's find the term. See if we're going to record properly. Can you use it if I? I love it. I turn. There is a million of the files, like one million of them. Oh, God. I could imagine. Yeah, no, I found it. Right. What number is this? 57. 57, Dave. Yeah. We're almost 60, Desmond. I can't almost believe 60. it. 
I can't believe, believe it. Believe it. It's, Every week it goes up by one. <laughs> <I know. laughs> that is that's some perseverance for you. It is. Right, you ready for it? Yep. To this week's Des and Dave. President Zelensky spoke to the British House of Parliament from Ukraine and conjured up the spirit of Winston Churchill. At least 17 Ukrainians were injured and three dead in a Russian strike on a maternity and children's hospital in the city of Mariupol during an agreed ceasefire with the Russians. Residents in the Ukrainian city of Melitopol have come out to protest the abduction of their mayor by Russian forces. Russia confirms it has used thermobaric weapons, says UK Ministry of Defense. Pentagon discusses why US rejected Poland's jet offer for Ukraine. And President Biden slams state governors who ban mask mandates in schools for their own political good. Sanctions on Russia from around the world continue to increase, biting into Russia's economy. And oligarchs' houses could be used for Ukrainian refugees, a UK minister announces. And the Home Office here in the UK continues to face criticism over its handling of the refugee crisis. All that and more from Des and Dave. Tommy's selling used cars, Nancy's fixing hair, Harvey runs a grocery store and Margaret doesn't care, Jerry drives a truck for Sears and Charlotte's on the make, and Paul sells life insurance and part-time real estate. Helen is a hostess, Frank works at the mill, Janet teaches grade school and probably always will. Bob works for the city and Jackson lab research. And Peggy plays organ at the Presbyterian church. And the class of 57 had his dreams. We all thought we'd change the world with our great works and deeds. Maybe we just thought the world would change to good army. Hello, Des. <laughs> Hello, Dave. Were you in the class of 57? No, no, I think that Did was you had great hopes to change the world? Um, yes, I did in my younger days. As I get older, I think, how the bloody hell do you have any effect on any of this mess? 
yeah. but we've you've you've had 57 now opportunities to at least make a dent hey this is our oh. 57th show day at least it will be immortalized in the year you know 2000 uh, 2376 or something they'll be able to look back and someone will discover us in the archives dead dead <laughs> that's dead. true no <laughs> <laughs> well, we will be dead for sure, unless we're going to survive another two hundred and whatever years, or be three hundred years. Oh bloody hell! Anyway, oh, yeah. So it's there for history. They haven't got to use hieroglyphs to interpret us. Well, our first um, our first piece of news this week is that Donald Trump has praised Putin throughout his time as president, and now he calls Putin smart as the Russian dictator wages a brutal war against Ukraine. Trump thinks Putin is smart. What does that make Trump? And what kind of person would call this smart? We have an audio. I knew Putin very well. Got a lot of uh, great charm and a lot of pride. Putin declares a big portion of the Ukraine as independent. And I said, this is genius. And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. There were more army tanks than I've ever seen. They're going to keep peace all right. You got to say, that's pretty savvy. I knew that he always wanted Ukraine. I used to talk to him about it. I mean, what he's done for Russia is really amazing. And he's done it by outsmarting our country at every single step. The day after the Olympics, he starts with Ukraine. The day after. How smart? How smart? How smart? That was from the accountability project, incidentally. How smart, how smart. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a bad week for him, and maybe we don't spend too much time on it, but like his deposition is ever closer for the New York State's um, state's attorney. And Thank God. It, even Bill Barr, have you seen this week? So his ex-attorney general is saying that if he tries to run in 2024, he will do everything he can to stop him. But it's interesting because he wouldn't speak to any committee and whatever about it, but yet he's published his memoirs in which he says Trump pounded the desk and he was told quite clearly from lots of officials what this was, what was happening was not a stolen election, that this was all a load of nonsense and so on and so on. So I think the January 6th committee is definitely right in their indictment and they, they're still in their like research phase anyway. <laughs> stupid man. As you say, stupid, time to move on man. from from yeah. Trump. Um, let's talk a little about President Zelensky, who spoke yes, to the a British real leader. House. Yes, to the British House of Parliament, um, and conjured up the spirit of Winston Churchill's famous speech of June the fourth, um, nineteen forty, and was greeted by a standing ovation. And he has stiffened the spine of the Ukrainian people. And uh, we've got a brief CNN report of its inspirational impact on his people so far. Zelensky in the fight. A defiant Volodymyr Zelensky receiving multiple standing ovations from the British House of Commons. We will not give up and we will not lose. We will fight in the forests, in the fields, on the shores, on the streets. Zelensky likely reminding his audience of the wartime inspirations of Winston Churchill, who addressed the same body after the evacuation of Dunkirk. 
We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Of course, he's definitely trying to channel Winston Churchill. I mean, one thing that's very important to remember about Zelensky is he is a performer. Zelensky's use of social media and other platforms has allowed him to dominate the information war. From his interview with CNN's Matthew Chance from his bunker. First of all, you, everybody has to stop, stop fighting. To a defiant address from behind his desk on Monday, the first time he was seen there since the invasion began. I'm staying in Kyiv, in my office. I'm not hiding, and I'm not afraid of anyone. To a video posted on Facebook from the streets of Kyiv, with his cabinet, on the second night of the invasion, delivering a similar message. The president is here. We are all here. Our military are here. Analysts say there's no doubt Zelensky's almost daily messages have stiffened the backbone of the Ukrainian military and its citizens, and have even resonated inside his enemy's borders. Some of his recent video messages, that must be said, have been quite powerful, um, including the message to the Russian people that he, he gave, where he basically called on them to, to resist this war, um, which was quite emotional. The images of Zelensky meeting with his troops as they prepared for battle, of selfie videos posted from the streets. This is our land, our country, and we are defending all of it. These are products, analysts say, of a leadership team which knows how to connect with younger audiences. They're very in tune with that younger generation. These guys really master social media in a way uh, that has been very effective. Contrast that with the autocrat in the Kremlin, who sits distanced from aides at long tables, and whose messages to his country seem increasingly disconnected. He appears fearful. You just get the sense of, uh, of a man alone. Whereas Zelensky is among his people, among his team, uh, and in the fight. That's a real leader, eh, Des? And it's funny, no one knew his name a month ago, you know what I mean? <laughs> now everybody knows Zelensky, like he's not messing about. And if they kill him, he, he will have achieved martyrdom. Well, one I think bit it would be a mistake to kill him right now, eh? Absolutely. Like Absolutely. You say, completely martyr him. And it, remember, he's, he's the head of a party. Like he brought in his TV production crew, like <laughs> yes. the, the same name that was in the TV show that he was, you know, famous from, is the name of his political party. And I don't know if you've seen the deputy prime minister. She seems quite a formidable character. Like I wouldn't mess with her a, 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 at all. Like you know the, yeah. There was another video. I don't know if you know. Like just a few days into the war, and is um, Zelensky's holding up his phone, and there's about five other guys standing around him, and he's like, "Yeah, look, the head of the party's here, the prime minister is here, the such and such, I am here." Like just, yeah. It, it, this is. I think that's in the clip where he said, "I don't need a a ride. What I need is ammunition." So yeah, it's. Uh, and it's interesting, Dave. This is the come man. Come the that, moment, come if the man. Eh? Absolutely. And this is the man that Trump thought was a bit of a pushover with his refusal to send, you know, money and, and, and um, weapons to which would have, had been approved by Congress, the American Congress, to help him fight the Russians. Incredible. But there's a bit of information I discovered, which is during the Cold War, a pair of Levi jeans 
represented the American spirit to thousands of Germans divided by capitalism and socialism. Um, Levi's were blamed from the Soviet occupied East, German, East Germany um, and were weren't blamed, sorry. Levi jeans were banned from Soviet occupied East Germany, yet the teenagers wore them anyway. And the jeans became a symbol of freedom and youth culture throughout the 70s and 80s. Today, Levi jeans has withdrawn its business from Russia. Extraordinary, isn't it? What They're a not symbol. The only ones. Yeah, but Absolutely. McDonald's is the other one that people are focusing on. Like after the fall of the Soviet Union, queuing up to get your Big Mac meal or whatever. And um, now they've all closed. But it took some social media pressure and others and maybe a share price fall uh, together with Coca-Cola that they then decided to do it. But it's really strange because you've got like one set of tobacco companies saying, yeah, we're going to pull out, stop selling and everything. And then mm -hmm. British American Tobacco, I mean, it's in the name, eh? But British American Tobacco say, we won't put any more capital investment, but we'll continue to sell. <gasps> exactly. You know, and uh, I mean, Ikea is now closed. H&M, Zara, those kind of shops are all closed. Like some of the sanctions that have been put in oligarchs, yachts have uh, um, been seized around the world. I think the latest one in Italy. And funnily enough, Roman Abramovich, who's just been sanctioned here in the UK, uh, causing all sorts of problems for Chelsea Football Club. I'm not sure the players will be getting their salaries next week, but, you know, I'm sure they've got a few pounds in savings. Yes. But um, his two yachts have left for international waters some time ago. I mean, I don't know why it took so long to sanction this individual. Mm. But some of it you wonder if it's even properly real, Des, because part of the bill that went through Parliament this week gives the oligarchs six months to declare all of their assets. Originally it was 18 months and now they've changed it to six months and they say that that's speedy. I just think you're gonna give these guys six months. Well, they're gonna declare we have no assets, you know, and they're all registered to X Island that's a tax haven, like just, but yeah, I mean, it, in Russia, no longer you can buy an iPhone, no longer you can get some Western electronics, televisions have gone up in price, your shopping basket has increased exponentially, some of the supermarkets already are not allowing you to um, buy a certain amount uh, or more of, uh, for instance, vegetable oil. And I didn't realize, but Ukraine is one of the world's biggest providers of um, basic staples like wheat, they tons of it. That's yes. you know, it's a massive country, and they have just announced that they will not export anything to anyone because of the food shortage. They want to keep it for themselves, which means a massive knock-on effect. And obviously, this is all hiked oil prices, gas prices. Yeah, and filling up my car was, you know, it, everyone will feel this, but the Russians especially. <sighs> Things have continued to get grimmer, however, in um, in Ukraine. At least 17 people were, were injured and three dead, um, including a child. Um, and uh, the head of the Donetsk Regional Administration, which includes the port city of Mariupol, said that there were three confirmed deaths at present. And uh, the attack happened during an agreed 
ceasefire with the Russian side, according to Interfax Ukraine. And President uh, Zelensky said people were trapped under the wreckage and called the attack a war crime. Inside the hospital was badly damaged. The Mariupol City Council said the strike had caused colossal damage and published footage showing burnt out buildings, destroyed cars, and a huge crater outside the hospital. The BBC has verified the location of the videos. We don't understand how it's possible in modern life to bomb a children's hospital. People cannot believe that it's true. Mariupol's deputy mayor told the, Olof, told the BBC. But today, Russian forces have resumed their bombardment of the city um, of Mariupol. The, and they did it immediately the day after the maternity hospital was, was, um, was hit by the airstrike and continue to do, to, to do this. And as we said, three people, I said earlier, three people we definitely know were confirmed as being killed in the Russian airstrike on the maternity and children's hospital. That is clearly a war crime. And I'm sure more will be, it will be revealed that a lot more. But we've seen pictures and it's completely desolated the hospital. How can they do this? Well, part of the thing is about them firing missiles that they can't really control that well. But I think it's more concerted than that. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah. The bombardment continues. And in the Ukraine city of Melitopol, they've come out to protest against the abduction of their mayor by Russian forces. The Russians. Um, have posted a video saying it shows Ivan Fedorov being led away blindfold last Friday, Friday just gone, by the invading Russian forces. And in a message, President Zelensky accused the Russians of moving to a new stage of terror. Melitopol is a small city in southeastern Ukraine. And one of, it was one of the first to fall to the Russians. Um, Zelensky called Mr. Federer, who's the mayor, a, 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 a person who bravely defends Ukraine and the members of his community. This is obviously a sign of weakness of the invaders. They have moved to a new stage of terror in which they're trying to physically eliminate representatives of legitimate local Ukraine authorities. Federov, Federov said in a public statement a few days ago that, he, that his administration would not cooperate the, with the Russians in any way. He said that the invos, in, invading forces had ransacked his office, exiled his team to another location, and are, the Russian forces are attempting to run their city. And there have been protests in Melitopol every day since the Russian occupation. Hundreds of residents have surrounded the administration building, demanding the mayor's release and daring the Russians to shoot them. It's an enormous act of bravery. 
yeah, but they're fighting for their independence, their country, and their hearts, you know, rather than being sent to the front line by a leader who doesn't really care about you. I tell you one of the things that I found really a piece of uh, information I found really of enormous concern was that the Russians has have now confirmed that they've been using what they call thermobaric weapons in Ukraine, according to the British UK's military of defense. The UK MOD said its Russian's counterpart said that apparently uh, what they call a TOS-1A weapon system had been deployed. The system uses thermobaric rockets, which creates incendiary and blast, and blast effects. The, the, the thermobaric weapons apparently suck in oxygen from the surrounding air to generate a high temperature explosion, typically producing a blast wave of a significantly longer duration than that of a, um, of a conventional ex, 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 explosion. And these thermobaric weapons are capable of vaporizing human bodies, leaving no evidence that they'd actually been there. And the British Defense Secretary, Ben Wallace, announced that the UK government will send more weapons to Ukraine. He said the Russians are changing their tactics, and so the Ukrainians need to do so, to do as well, to change their tactics, to assist their, their forces tackle President Putin's air force. He told MPs that the UK has so far delivered about um, 3,700 anti-tank weapons and will soon be supplying a small contingent of javelin and anti-tank missiles. Um, supplies of rations, medical equipment, and other non-lethal military um, stuff, uh, aid, um, will be increased. Um, so they, 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 they've realized, the, the British government, the NATO and the British government have realized that they're going to have to increase their military support to the, to the, um, to the, to the Ukraine. But the other <laughs> dimension with this is, like, for the people in Russia, they can't really protest against the war. Even if they did, it's not like it would make a great deal of difference because, anyway, you'll end up with 15 years prison sentence and apparently some of the people arrested have been sent to fight and so on, which I just think is maddening because they're just that's not going to work in the long term. But you think of the brain drain that's happening to Russia right now. Those that can escape will. Why would you hang on there? you know, as it gets harder and harder with the sanctions increasing, and maybe you don't have the opportunity to escape and leave. But there, I think it's um, Armenia has seen a huge influx. They reckon almost 200,000 Russians have left. Yes, and, and as you say, there's been a mass exodus from, from Russian states. Um, and also, the, the, you know that the war is going badly for Putin because... He's now have to um, had to go to Syria and ask his um, his uh, Syrian Syrian counterpart um, Bashar al Assad Bashar al Assad for some help in recruiting. Seventeen thousand was the last I heard um, Syrian fighters to to help with the extinction of which is clearly what he wants to do. He wants to extinct 
he wants to completely, thoroughly demolish, wipe off the face of the earth, Ukraine, and extend his Russian empire into Ukraine territory. So, you know, I just, I, I honestly think, I've just, we've just heard, just coming through on our multiple telephone lines, um, some more news that um, Putin's army have are now firing at Ukraine, um, Ukraine, the Ukraines on the Polish border in the the west yeah. of Ukraine, and they are really taking an enormous risk here because if there is an accident and the Poles are likely to be killed or injured, or even the Ukraines fleeing from the Ukraine cities to Poland, that it could technically create another war. It's very but dangerous. It is, and you know, people are likening it to the Second World War. I could liken it to the First. You know, it's more a conflation of errors could end up seeing the Third World War yeah. ignited. And even Biden mentioned, you know, World War Three this week, in saying that, you know, why not to do certain things? But do you think there's anything more the West can do, Des? Is there anything that we're not currently doing? You think we should be doing? Well, I think there is uh, um, an issue that came up. Um, with regards to um, the uh, Pentagon discussing why it was that they rejected Poland's jet offer for Ukraine. Um, and the Pentagon press secretary, John Kirby. So hang on, um, just to get this story straight, this is um, uh, the Ukrainians have asked if they can have MiG fighter jets because that's what their pilots know how to fly. And they've asked anyone from friendly countries to give them to them, basically. The Polish have said, yep, we've got some, they've got 29 or whatever of them. And basically the Americans said, okay, we'll give you some F whatever number to replace that. And you can learn how to fly that. So the Polish then turned around and said, oh, we've made them all available. They are ready to go to Ramstein Air Base, US Air Base in Germany. Um, when do you want them? And then what happened Des? <laughs> Very important point. As you say, they were intended to send the fighter jets to the US air base in Germany with the intention that it would uh, transfer to Ukraine's military. Um, but the Kirby said that transferring the MiG-29 jets to Ukraine may be mistaken as an escalatory as escalatory and could result in significant Russian reaction. Well, I think we're almost there now with the news coming today that the Russians are now attacking the Ukraine border that uh, between um, themselves and Poland. And this suggests to me that maybe this is the time that the uh, NATO should intervene. And well, just issues. push them over the sodding border. If they're already in Poland, just get a load of geezers to wheel it, you know, through the gate. They are. It's in Ukraine now. Fucking take off. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Like, we're we're letting. It's like bureaucracy is in our way, and well, you know, 
how's he going to know if they secretly fly in from somewhere else under the radar? Like, I, I don't know, Des, I'm not technically minded with all this military stuff, but we can't behave like pussies to the bully. We can't say, oh, I'm going to keep my lunch money in my pants so that the bully can't take it from me. Like, at one point, we have to throw a punch. But then maybe yes. that's World War Three. I don't know. But is it even well, a punch? We are just saying, yeah, usually you're right. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a short audio of, and we can discuss it after the audio, where Pentagon discusses the US rejection of the Poland jet offer. Because the Poles did make the offer. Um, and it really was down to the Americans to accept it. Now, the secretary also had a chance to discuss with Minister Blaschak the proposal to send MiG-29 fighter aircraft to Ukraine, and specifically the notion of doing so by way of transfer to U.S. custody. Secretary Austin thanked the, the minister for Poland's willingness to continue to look for ways to assist Ukraine. But he stressed that we do not support the transfer of additional fighter aircraft to the Ukrainian Air Force at this time and therefore have no desire to see them in our custody either. Let me walk you through the reasons for this. First, we believe the best way to support Ukrainian defense is by providing them the weapons and the systems that they need most to defeat Russian aggression, in particular, anti-armor and air defense. We, along with other nations, continue to send them these weapons, and we know that they are being used with great effect. The slowed Russian advance in the north and the contested airspace over Ukraine is evidence alone of that. Although Russian air capabilities are significant, their effectiveness has been limited due to Ukrainian strategic, operational, and tactical ground-based air defense systems, surface-to-air missiles, and manpads. Secondly, the Ukrainian Air Force currently has several squadrons of fully mission-capable aircraft. We assess that adding aircraft to the Ukrainian inventory is not likely to significantly change the effectiveness of the Ukrainian Air Force relative to Russian capabilities. Therefore, we believe that the gain from transferring those MiG-29s is low. And finally, the intelligence community has assessed that the transfer of MiG-29s to Ukraine may be mistaken as escalatory and could result in a significant Russian reaction that might increase the prospects of a military escalation with NATO. Therefore, we also assess the transfer of the MiG-29s to Ukraine to be high risk. And we are grateful for the superb support and cooperation of our Polish allies who continue to host thousands of our troops and who are welcoming more, as I said, more than one million Ukrainian refugees. Polish generosity is clearly on display for the whole world to see. But at this time, we believe the provision of additional fighter aircraft provides little increased capabilities at high risk. All right, fair enough. <laughs> that was a very gentle yeah. thanks, but no thanks. We're giving them what we think they need more. Yes, yes. And, and I actually think that we're rapidly reaching a point, though, because you asked me the question, you know, what do we do next? I think we're rapidly reaching the point now where I, I honestly think that America needs to say no to Putin. Absolutely, categorically, no. You have gone as far as you dare go. But there's a, a, a tiny little interesting observation I made over the course of the week, Dave. And this is this. 
that when the war began between Russia and Ukraine, right, there was a clear David and Goliath syndrome, right, with Russia appearing as Goliath. And today, I think we've had a reversal. The, the scenario has completely flipped. And the surge of global support for Ukraine has transformed the situation with Ukraine now appearing as the Goliath and Russia as the David. Um, so um, I, I see because of the economic, the impact of the economic sanctions. But I think now NATO, you, UN's position is very muddled. I think UN could say, no, we're going to create a no-fly zone. I think they could have done that quite, quite comfortably. Um, and uh, I think one could have taken, you know, that, 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 that instructions um, quite seriously. But I think we've reached a stage now where I just feel that it's necessary to say to Putin, no, 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 you have gone as far as you dare go, and we are not going to accept you going any further. I mean, the, the, the images from Ukraine have been extraordinarily depressing, and it, it's a shame on, it's a shame on us as humans that we have to do this to each other. And when you think that with the um, scatter bombs that they've introduced, you know, where the missiles are going everywhere, flying into every parts of everybody, you see the buildings being completely destroyed. And mo most importantly, the information against Putin's wishes of filtering to the Russian people. And I understand in the recent television um, pro, a broad, a pro program which was broadcast by three prominent um, Russian state uh, broadcasters, where even they are having to acknowledge that the war isn't going particularly well for Russia and it's not doing the Russian image any good. That, well, on, you know, on that TV show you described, one of the presenters said, oh, let's hold a minute silence for those salt Russian soldiers lost in the bat the special operation, mm -hmm. as they describe it. And the other presenter shut him down. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. And the thing is, it's not too difficult for especially the older generations of Russians to recognize when their government's lying to them. They live through that. Like they've been here before. And it's like the clock being turned back. But now, if they go out to the street and protest, unless they do it in like absurdly massive numbers and like just millions of them on the street they all get picked off there was literally a granny you know that the second she pulled out her placard she was mobbed by the police you know never to be seen again i don't know how on earth do you protest putin's regime or voice your dissatisfaction to your leader like, who's going to tell him? Like, you know, apparently the head of the FSB and the deputy head of the FSB are currently under house arrest, Desmond. But, you know, Dave, the one thing I feel secure in, one bit of information is that at, as we speak, Russian jails cannot hold any more prisoners. They're overfilled. If the Russian people present that as an issue for the Russian authorities, they can't keep them all in jail. 
It's not possible. It's not possible to keep them all in jail. And I think that it is necessary for the Russian people to be saying to their own governments, not in, our, not in my name. You cannot do this in my name. You cannot do this in the name of the Russian people. There's all sorts of conversations that are being had at the moment about Putin's mental health state. Personally, I would say that we've heard enough of Putin warning because one of his most recent warning, he's warned America that would regard Western countries delivering arms to Ukraine as legitimate targets of war. But what I say, pow, no, you've had enough of your warnings. Now we, we are warning you. You push beyond this boundary. You're going to be facing war because what use is the globe to us? What use is this planet to us if we're all dead? Yes, you could do enormous amount of damage to us, but we would flatten Russia. And I think it needs to be said as toughly as that. We, some boundaries need to be put to be laid down for Putin. He's not, he should not be allowed to, to control the agenda as he's currently doing. This is not, Ukraine is not Syria. He was able to do exactly what he wants in Syria with the with the um, the, the the permission of um, um, of the president of Syria. He's not allowed to do this. Assad. He's, he he cannot be allowed to do this. The West needs to say something and do something now. Now it's time to say to Putin, "You've gone as far as we allow. We're willing to allow you to." Because it's clear what's going to happen now. The country's going to be flattened. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Do you think that there is any other alternative? Uh, I don't know, because there has been the, the, you know, the talks between the Ukrainians and the Russians, first in Belarus and then most recently a few days ago in Turkey between um, the two foreign ministers from Ukraine and Russia. But they seem fruitless and Lavrov, the Russian uh, foreign minister, just it sounds deluded because uh, they're accusing the Ukrainians also of developing biological weapons and <gasps> it just yeah it, 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 yeah and also possessing nuclear weapons like it's all just is very would very that strange. be your red line would that be your well red it line? was Obama's red line in Syria remember and then when they were used nothing happened so I think the fact that me and even you can have this conversation publish this podcast and feel semi-safe, the fact no one's going to come knocking at our door and drag us to a gulag and make us hit stone for the next 20 years, you know, shackled together. I just, oh, I don't know. It hurts the brain. And I think, what do you do? What do you do? Ultimately, we want Ukraine to prevail. We want them to be able to hold off Russia and we want Russia to capitulate, give in and return back to Russia. But even if that happens, what does that leave as the new world order? Because Russia is the biggest country on the planet geographically, just mm -hmm. in terms of size. OK, a lot of it not populated and so on, but it's a huge wealth of the planet. And actually, Putin and the Russians have not done themselves any favours. They're actually you know, rich with minerals, oil, gas, yes. etc. So yes. for their GDP... 
they should be a lot richer than they currently are. But if you squander it and steal it, and as I'll come on to in a minute, the oligarchs, then you kind of remain stagnant and where you are. And yes, you know, living conditions in Russia have proved, you know, exponentially in the last couple of decades since the fall of the Soviet Union, but that's about to slide backwards. And I cannot see Western countries easily wanting to undo sanctions when actually there will be little point because the Russian economy may be bankrupt. But then again, where there's money to be made, there's, you know, there even even um, Deutsche Bank in Germany was still doing business with Russia until a few days ago. Like, it, you know, like when you hear, oh, they're out of the SWIFT system, we have to stop thinking so simplistically because it doesn't mean everything is shut off overnight. You know, it's not, oh, the shop is closed at 11 o'clock, nothing else can be bought. This is planet Earth. Like, if people want to, yes, you make it harder, but it, 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 it's very complicated. It's not so simple. Like I said earlier about the oligarchs, they get six months to declare their assets. And it's only this morning, and I think they're buying into some social media conversation, but using Russian oligarchs um, uh, seized houses for Ukrainian refugees. But then that just brings up the conversation again about the British response to Ukrainian refugees. Pretty Patel and the Home Office have all but shut the UK to everywhere in the world. You know, they it, it, unless you're coming from a, a rich country, you, you forget it. Your visa best start filling in six months before you are planning to come. Like it's not easy, and there's no way for them to claim asylum because the way the system is set up, you can't claim asylum until you're here. So, well, they're not allowed here because we can't give them a visa. Like it's just an absurd situation that these poor Ukrainians have fled their countries, traipsed all around Europe and then being sent between Calais, Paris, Brussels and wherever else. And then you've got Pretty Patel uh, and Boris Johnson saying, oh, we are world leading. World leading, Des, is 2.2 million, as we count today, and probably more Ukrainians that have left. Is about a thousand of them that have been granted asylum in the UK so far. Poland really yeah. has to, you know, be given a huge amount of credit here. But also, I mean, there is the other dynamic about racism at the border and anyone, you know, if you're not white, basically, you're not necessarily being allowed to cross so easily, even though some of that's been rectified now. But it, again, I think it's people's identification, isn't it? They see white people in difficulty and they identify with that. For some reason, the Yemeni situation with the Saudi Arabian backed by the Americans keep bombing Yemen. Yep. And children, that seems fine. That's, that's I won't seem a problem. I want to conclude the on the American section. I want to just include on this, because it's this has it's it's a domestic issue in America, but it had, there is a global impact because and also it presents a backdrop to all these events in Ukraine. And it's that President Biden slammed the state governors who ban mask mandates in schools for their own political good. And this is not a political game or shouldn't be a political game. And, um, and you have to ask the question in America is what do state governors want? Um, without doubt, masks reduce the transmission of the, the, the virus, um, um, the COVID. And yet state governors, like, for example, DeSantis in Florida, he talks about freedoms as opposed to 
um, at putting, putting politics, therefore, ahead of um, life-saving science. And President Biden believes that governors are pushing their own Trumpian politics ahead of student safety. And we have a very short video for you. President Biden slams state governors. Some politicians are trying to turn public safety measures, that is children wearing masks in school, into political disputes for their own political gain. Some are even trying to take power away from local educators by banning masks in school. They're setting a dangerous tone. The intimidation and the threats we're seeing across the country are wrong. They're unacceptable. Now, I've said before, this isn't about politics. It's about keeping our children safe. It shouldn't be about politics. The president is right. Some governors are putting their own political gain ahead of children's lives, really, of their constituents' lives. Like Texas, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who issued an executive order banning school districts from requiring masks and tested positive for COVID-19 the day after he attended this crowded indoor Republican club meeting, apparently not wearing a mask. And then there is Ron DeSantis. You can always count on him to try to turn a deadly disease into an applause line. Politicians want to force you to cover your face as a way for them to cover their own asses. That's just the truth. They want to be able to say they're taking this on and they're doing this, even though it doesn't, it's not, it's not proven to be effective. They want to continue to do it. God, that is just such bunk, or just to say this is bullshit. <laughs> I agree with him. <laughs> I agree with him. Dave, we've got current, you know, all so much has been lifted, you know, all the, 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 the mask wearing is being free, made optional in Britain and in lots of states in America, that's the current situation. This war is happening against the backdrop. And to, this week we learned, and I'm sure you probably pick up on it, we learned that COVID is on the rise in England, um, England, Wales, Ireland, and particularly it's on the rise very aggressively in Scotland. We ain't out of the woods yet. Yeah, but there's something else to focus on now, Des. <laughs> you know, it's now, now no longer the first story. You just add to the numbers. Absolutely. But we've got also another short audio where the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, it's a very brief one. Um, he chides teenagers for wearing masks, telling them to stop with this COVID theater at his press conference. And I just want you to listen to it, listen to him. This DeSantis, stop with this COVID theater. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. This, he was rude, rude to these kids, you know? This felt like a Donald Trump party um, who thinks well, this he's, shows he's, strength. He's hoping to become the Republican nominee, isn't he, for president in 2024? Well, after barking but, at Why the don't kid, they pick real bloody issues? I don't exactly. understand. It's like, it's like basic biological science. But isn't this like Orwellian? We can ask our historian next week. 
But I'm sure, like, isn't this the beginning of Orwell's 1984? That, you know, it's all, like, fake news. And they're just creating it. Just, oh, there's... there's I'm really an alien from the planet Zarg, <laughs> and we've come to judge humanity. And in 56 days, unless I'm given £17 billion, um, you will have judged to have failed. Well, David, the same event, after barking at the kids, he went on to tell reporters that, unlike Ukraine, France would not have put up a fight if Russia had invaded. And we've got a short audio of him saying very much this. It's inspiring to see these people just grab rifles who are civilians and going out there and fighting uh, to ward off uh, a Russian army. Uh, a lot of other places around the world, they just fold the minute there's any type of adversity. I mean, can you imagine if he went into France, would they do anything to put up a fight? Probably not. I'd love to give him a map and say, show me where France is. <laughs> this man may be the leader of the American people. Child, um, Dave, in the next, what, two years? Yeah, 2024. This may be our next president, America's next president. I don't think the French are going to be particularly happy to hear that. I don't think they However, care. what's been happening in, in the UK, Dave? Do you want to well, fill us in with briefly what you, what's been going on? I already covered it, really. I was saying with the Home Office and the, you know, the oligarchs and the sanctions, but, you know, our world leading that isn't really world leading when you look at the detail of it. But I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there was one sad home story this week, but I don't know if we no, we're not using Burko. It's not the right show for it. No, so just how, what, how we have what it. Would, what will this week bring? I really don't know, Des. It's so difficult. World War Three is on the cards. Mm. Is it the most worrying time you've lived through so far? Or the Crimean uh, War was? I, <laughs> I think this beats the lot. Um, and I think what it requires now is for the West or NATO to stand firm and deliver its own threats to Russia, to Putin. Because I actually think Putin is becoming unstable and we really can't afford an unstable world. We all have to live in it. We all have to live in it. It is our world, it's not Putin's, to, to threaten to destroy our environment with nuclear bombs. It's not his place to do that. Um, and I feel that very, very strongly. We ca and you can't trust the man. I mean, he's done his bit already in Britain with this Novichov and, and various other... No. And I, it really worries me, worries me enormously about this... Um, information that's been circulated by Ben Wallace, the British Defence Secretary, about the thermobaric weapons and that are capable of vaporising human bodies, leaving no evidence that they were even there. That is a worry. A man like that who has that in his weapons arsenal is not a man to be trusted because he's quite capable of using it. What a note to finish on this week. Yeah. But next week we have the historian and it will be the three of us. 
unpicking bits and bobs and trying to make sense of all this. Not that we can ever see what's right in front of us. Huh? There's never a time more remote than the immediate present. Absolutely, Dave. Absolutely. So what are we going out on? Uh, you selected this one. What's, what's the background to it? The grave. We have seen the pictures with our own eyes, the images of towns and cities being turned into rubble by the, by, by the um, Russians and, uh, and the, the vast amount of people who are now dead. And we've chosen a song called The Grave for you this week by Don McLean. Catch you next week, Des. And you, Dave. The grave that they dug him had flowers Gathered from the hillsides in bright summer colors And the brown earth bleached white at the edge of his gravestone He's gone When the wars of our nation did beckon The man barely twenty did answer the calling Proud of the trust that he placed in our nation He's gone But eternity knows him And it knows what we've done And the rain fell like pearls on the leaves of the flowers Leaving brown muddy clay Where the earth had been dry And deep in the trench He waited for hours As he held to his rifle And prayed not to die But the silence of night was shattered by fire as guns and grenades blasted sharp through the air one after another his comrades were slaughtered in a morgue of marines alone standing there he crouched ever lower ever lower let me die, they can't let me die here, I'll cover myself with the mud and the earth, I'll cover myself, I know I'm not brave, the earth, the earth, the earth is my grave. in bright summer colors and the
the brown earth bleached white at the edge of his gravestone. He's gone.